You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, good morning, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Country Leisure. Are you ready to get your relaxation on? Well, get ready for summer by talking to the people at Country Leisure. Get your pool situation, your hot tub situation figured out this summer and call them at 405-799-7745 or go to their website, countryleisuremfg.com. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me today, as he does every day, is former Oklahoma Sooners offensive lineman David Walker. You can follow David on Twitter at D underscore Walk 74. David, how's it going, sir? Well, it's going okay. Uh, we just finished up a two-game swing of Bedlam, and I'm a little bit fatigued from the intensity of that matchup and the rivalry and the games coming down to the wire. So a lot to talk about, a lot to digest as it relates to these two losses in Bedlam and what lies ahead for Oklahoma men's basketball. And to have that conversation today, we've got a special guest, Josh Calloway from Sooners Wire. Josh, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, looking forward to it. You guys do great work, so happy to be here. Yeah, we appreciate that, man. So first of all, Josh, just kind of give us your overall takeaway just from the – let's talk about last night specifically first. What did you see in that game that that really stood out to you, and what was your overall takeaway from last night's game? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I think Long Kruger and, you know, the team, Elijah Harkless, they deserve a lot of credit for figuring out how to slow down Cade Cunningham because they did a great job. I mean, he didn't hit a shot until there was just over seven minutes left in the game. Um, and if you had told me that before, I would definitely think, oh, you, oh, you probably probably won that. If they kept Cade to that low, I mean, he had two points and a half. And like I said, didn't hit a shot until there was seven minutes left. Only got to 15, which you hold that good of a player to 15. You're feeling good about that. But again, it's kind of been the same way they lost the last two games, which was late in the game, the offense isn't the same. Um, It comes very ISO heavy. It becomes very reliant on Austin Reeves to go kind of make a play, you know, get to the hole, either get fouled uh, or, or, you know, get a tough layup or Davion Harmon makes a play out there. Now, yesterday, Brady Manick gave them a lot, but Emoja Gibson was, was kind of quiet. Uh, Elijah Harkless didn't give you a hole on the offense and they're not going, they didn't go on the, in the bench at all. We didn't even see victory, uh, Iwakor at all. Alonis Williams only played like eight minutes. Um, so it was pretty reliant on the starters. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, it continued, their ball movement hasn't been as good uh, as it was early in the year. Yesterday, they only had, I think they had 13 assists, but it was only from three different guys, which it was never like that earlier in the year. They would get a lot of assists. Lots of guys would rack them up. You know, Moja Gibson get two or three. Elijah Harkless would get two or three. Austin Reeves would get six or seven. It was, it hasn't been like that. Um, so, I don't know. I think late in the game, the offense is, is really the main killer. Uh, it's just not working and flowing the same way it was earlier in the year. Um and that happened again yesterday. I mean, when they need buckets late, you just don't have the confidence they're going to get them like, they, like you had earlier in the year. Then um, now for what it's worth, at the end of the game when they're down three, Long Kruger draws up a great play, gets Brady Manick a great look, and he's had a good night at that point, uh, one of his best games of the season. He just didn't knock it down. But, you know, so they found a way to slow down Kate Cunningham, which was big, but it could, uh, offense right now is the bigger issue. Uh, that ball movement's not the same, and they got to figure that out quick, obviously, with uh, not that much time left here in the season. 
Yeah, you're right, Josh. I think the I'm glad you brought up that last set where they're down three, they come out of the timeout, get a back screen to the corner for a wide open three from Brady Manikin. Mm-hmm. Game, he's four for eight from three, got 20 points. You know, that was a great look. You couldn't have asked for a better shot to tie the game. Doesn't go down. And then at that point, you're playing the free throw game, and it's, a, you know, it's a moot point from there. But yeah. when you talk about not going to the bench, look, I mean, there's there's short rotations, and there's going small. And then there's playing three guys off the bench, a combined 17 total minutes. Yeah. So Jalen Hill, nine minutes, 0 for 2 from the field. Perquet, three minutes, no field goal attempts. Alondis Williams, eight minutes, no field goal attempts. Like, between the bench, they took two shots and played 17 minutes. Now, you can say, well, you know, he should have played more – more guys, or you can make an argument. Well, maybe we were you know, tired down the stretch. You know, Brady Manick played 38 minutes. I mean, he's been playing half of that most of the time down the last. Yeah, and that's after playing an overtime game two yeah. days before. Yeah. You know, it, it, what I what I saw last night was Oklahoma was selling out to get the win. Right? They were like, you know what? Like, we're not worried about resting guys or who's tired. We're going into Gallagher. We're going to lock down K Cunningham. And we're going to go for broke on who we have, I think is our best five. We're going to play the heck out of those guys. And it almost worked. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it was a game, like you said, when it comes down to the end of games, there's, there's two things that stood out to me over the last couple of weeks, even in wins like at West Virginia is baskets become difficult to get ball movement. Doesn't take place like, like it has up to that point. And then the defensive rebounding has been atrocious at times. I feel like last night they actually did a little bit better job defensive rebounding wise for the most part, but the size difference, Oklahoma State was able to go into the paint and get buckets down the stretch, get the ball. You know, they're shooting shots from 8, 10 feet away, getting things to the glass, and Oklahoma is just having to struggle to get a good shot, and Oklahoma State's getting whatever shot they wanted. I think that's a personnel thing. You know, Brady Manning's not a back-to-the-basket guy, uh, although I, I, and I came on yesterday's show coming off the first matchup of Bedlam, and I'm – I was pretty hard on Brady Manic. I was like, look, I want to see more toughness. I want to see better body language. I want to see more physicality. Like, make shots. That's great. But if you're going to play the five and we're going to go small, you got to bring some toughness to the equation. You got to go battle for boards. You got to be more of a physical presence. I thought last night was the most physical I'd seen him all year long. So I felt like he definitely answered the call. He, he was up for the challenge. But at the end of the day, they've got to figure out easier ways to get baskets and it, part of the problem, Josh, I feel like, is you don't have very many guys that can create their own shot. And sometimes when things break down, Austin Reeves is the only guy that can really create his own shot, get calls, get to the free throw line. Emoji Gibson's more of a, a spot-up shooter. Davion Harmon can get a little bit of stuff to the rim, but he's undersized. Um, what do you think is the biggest key to, to them finding a, a, a bucket late in the game? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's Austin Reeves. That's the, he's the guy who you can give the ball at the top and just – go get us a bucket. Nobody else is really like that. And that, that kills them late, uh, late in the game. Cause Austin Reeves, you know, he's trying to just fight his way to the rim. And like I said earlier, kind of just draw a foul or, or something. Um, but you have to have other guys who can make something happen for you. I think Davion Harmon is probably that next guy. Um, just need him to continue to be more aggressive late in the game. It seems like Davion Harmon has a several times this year come out really aggressive and he gets like 10 points in five minutes to start the game. And you're thinking, he's about to have a huge night. And then he kind of just, I don't know. It seems like he just gets less aggressive, which that's kind of a simple way to put it, I guess. But, you know, I wonder where he's at late. I would like to see him, especially because he, he's very, very talented. He was a really high recruit. Last year was a 
somewhat disappointing for him, but this year he's really taken that that next step to being one of the best players on the team. You would like to see him late in the game kind of – I mean, he'll be the face of the team next year, assuming Reeves leaves and, and Manic leaves. Um, you know, it'll be his team next season. So it's, he's going to need to be the guy late taking those shots and making things happen. You talk about the bench too. I, I want to just mention real quick, you know, an underrated thing that – isn't being talked about that much is the fact that Alondis Williams just doesn't play. I mean, we, you mentioned eight minutes. I mean, obviously the guy was a starter all season uh, until he went out with the virus and he he came back and, you know, Juan Kruger was consistent in, in, in saying that, he's responding really well. He's responding way better than Brady Manick did. Um, he wasn't, you know, sick really. Uh, he was out for contact tracing stuff. He missed like a week and a half or two weeks, but ever since he came back, he's just not playing very much. You know, he plays, he played eight minutes yesterday. He always played 20, 25 minutes a game before he went out and he was always a starter. And right now they barely use him and I, they're missing him a lot. I mean, he was a starter for a reason. He was a big impact player. And then you were able to work like a Moshe Gibson in off the bench and kind of put him as a spark plug guy. They just don't have that element right now. Uh, I mean, they need, I don't know if there's time to get Alondis Williams up to speed, but they're missing that element a lot. I think, um, you know, people aren't talking about that as much. And Kirk Queth is not getting minutes either. And he was a start at the beginning of the season. So those are two year guys who just aren't even impact guys right now. Um, Kirk Quinn is more of a limiting his minutes thing, but you know, you, you need those two to be bigger impact players than they like they were earlier in the year when the team was winning. Absolutely. And we're going to be back with more here on locked on centers with Josh Calloway talking about a few remaining thoughts from Bedlam from the two game set, a look ahead to where Oklahoma goes down the stretch heading into the big 12 tournament. And then later in the show, we're going to talk about where they're going to land, where we project them falling into the NCAA tournament. The seed has been a moving target as they've had this, this rise over the past month and a half, but obviously a few losses will dictate a different seating potential. So we'll be right back with more on OU men's basketball here on Locked On Sooners. Before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com and save? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about our friends over at Country Leisure. Hey, March Madness is right around the corner, which means summer is just behind it. Have you had a, had a hard time finding a place to relax? Well, now is the time to set up your relaxation destination in your backyard. Create your oasis by calling the people at Country Leisure. They specialize in above ground pools, but it's the best way to get into pool ownership. They can get you installed in one day and they can cover all of Oklahoma. They might be located in Moore, but if you're out in Ada or you're up in Northeast Oklahoma and Miami, they got you covered. They can come out and they can see you and they can get you installed. They've got a great website with a lot of information. They have continuing education. They've been in the business for 35 years, excellent customer service. The best way to get into pool ownership is to call the people at Country Leisure. They got hot tubs. They can get you set up with a pool. They've also got 
water toys for the lake, your pool toys, excellent flotation devices. You're going to love everything that you can get at countryleisuremfg.com. So make sure you call the people over there at Country Leisure at 405-799-7745. Located off I-35 and more, that's Country Leisure, just add water. And today on the Locked On Today podcast, with players fleeing the Houston Texans, what NFL team will be the worst to play for in 2021? Get more of the sports you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And now coming back, we still got Josh Holloway from the Sooners Wire talking OU men's basketball with us. And guys, just before we get into where do we go from here, I got to ask the question. If I would have told you before the game that Brady Manick was going to have 20 points and Cade Cunningham was only going to have 15, how many points do you think Oklahoma would have won by? Josh, we'll start with you. Yeah, they, uh, I definitely would have thought that. You wouldn't even need to tell me the Brady thing. Uh, just Kate Cunningham only had 15. Uh, I would have thought they'd be in good shape. But uh, especially Brady Manic having a game like that, um, definitely you, you would – I would have thought OU won by 5 to 10 for sure. If you told me – you, you didn't even have to say numbers. Brady Manic scored more than Kate Cunningham is all you would have to say. And I would think OU won by 5 to 10. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I've not predicted Oklahoma State by 7, but I was sort of anticipating – going anywhere from you know 24 to 32 points last night I, I feel like they might slow him down but slowing him down I thought might look like a 24 25 spot so the fact that they held him without a field goal until seven minutes left in the game it's kind of deflating I think that in some ways for Oklahoma you know they came out with this great defensive effort Elijah Harkless responded well they you know did some different things off the ball screens they were hedging some they were doubling some they were kind of keeping him guessing a little bit on what they're going to do so I, I feel like they adjusted well and I do think they're is a lot to look at in a potential Big 12 tournament matchup against Oklahoma State. They've got a lot of video evidence now to, to see what worked, what didn't work. And, and, I, and I would rather be in the in a Big 12 tournament scenario. In some ways, you'd almost rather be Oklahoma thinking, you know what, we let two games get away. Give us one more shot and we'll take them down. I saw somebody tweet out last night that if, if this team played 10 times, they might split five of them. You know, yeah. they may go five and five. And I think they're very evenly matched. They have different strengths and weaknesses, but – a couple of plays, just kind of looking back on this two-game set, you know, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. You talked about Alondis Williams, and he's just been in a funk, you know, and, and mm-hmm. Iwakor not playing. It, to me, like, that's – sometimes Iwakor, I think offensively, I there are times I'm like, this guy has – he does everything in the world possible to not make a shot. I mean, he will get put, put back, he'll get dunks blocked, he'll, he'll get to the free throw line and go over, and he's a good hustle player. He's a good defense uh, defensive guy. He's going to battle on the boards, but when it comes to offense, like he is, you cannot count on a putback. You can't count on a dunk. You can't count on a free throw. So his minutes are going to probably be non-existent in March. I think it's a, he's going to be in a break glass in case of emergency. We got guys in foul trouble. We need a body inside. That's where Eagle course minutes are going to come from. Alondis Williams. And I can't remember the game, but he had a great highlight reel dunk at the end of a game at Lloyd Noble center before he went out with COVID uh, protocols. And you're like, man, okay, this guy, long and athletic and was making some plays. But since he's come back specifically in the Bedlam game, I feel like when he touched the ball, everything he did seemed indecisive to the point, Josh, and you may remember this play as well at Lloyd Noble on Saturday, they get a three on one break and he's leading the break and he can't make a decision. Like mentally he froze up and couldn't make a decision. I think he had Reeves on the right, maybe Gibson on the left or Harmon on the left. Couldn't make a decision and ends up just passing it right to the guy in front of him. Just the ball goes out of his hands Mm -hmm. right to the defender. And it was, it was literally like the worst three-on-one break you'll ever see. And you can go to any seventh-grade rec center in Oklahoma City and probably not see a worse one. So when you see that, and, and Long Kruger sees that, the coaching staff sees that, the, the team sees that, 
you, when turnovers are that egregious in a big game, you lose confidence in guys. Like there are turnovers and there are those things. And, and it happened again last night in, in Lenovo where they had to call a timeout because Elijah Harkless makes a lazy pass in the backcourt to Austin Reeves. They're, they're, getting, they're just getting the ball across the half line. He picks it up a little too early, kind of panics, makes a lazy pass. Austin Reeves has to go step to meet it. It's a loose ball, to scrum. He has to get on the floor and call a timeout. And Austin Reeves takes a beating to, just to get the ball back. He gets up to walk over to the timeout. He's instantly got like a red whelp developing on his shoulder from that possession. And you can just see all over Austin Reeves' body language. He's frustrated by the fact that the basketball wasn't being valued right there. Right. And those are little things you can say, well, man, David, you're being really critical about certain players. But I'm, I'm trying to illustrate that the margin of error for this team that is a sum of its parts team, those little things like that get you beat against teams that are hungry, against teams that are just a little bit better, maybe a little more talented or right there with you. And they just can't afford to have those kind of egregious mistakes that add up over the course of a game. You know, did Oklahoma yeah. get the ball back on that play last night? Yes, but they had to take a timeout and waste a timeout and disrupt everything they were doing. And Austin Reeves is carrying enough of a burden that making a lazy pass to him in the backcourt is something that like he doesn't need to have to deal with right now. He needs, he needs guys to play their role. And, and also, and this is my last point on this last night, is Austin Reeves took a lot of heat after the first matchup, you know, from fans and he, he owned the game saying, you know, maybe he forced too many things, but shoot, man, last night, like that guy was attacking the rim with authority. Like he had the best missed dunk I've seen by a Sooner ever. I mean, yeah. he literally jumped from the big 12 logo and, and tried to tomahawk one and, and back rimmed it. Not because he under jumped because he just tried to dunk it too hard. You know? So I, I felt like his aggression level, he had a nice two hand dunk down the stretch coming. Uh, they, they they didn't uh, stick with a double team. They tried. They, they showed and got re- and then recovered. And he just turned the corner and went and threw one down two hands. The the big and one at the end of the game. It kind of got him back in it. That I still don't know how he made it. The circus shot. Yeah, just crazy shot. They shot it from below his knee. So those are the things I was seeing that that add up to uh, some some things are positive, some things are negative. But was there anything that stood out to you in these two matchups that you you look back on and you're like, man, I don't like this or I like that better or, or any specific takeaways for you? Well, you know, you mentioned that, you know, those little small plays and not valuing the basketball, that kind of thing. And that I think that's the important thing to remember for this team is that whenever they were on their best stretch and they got all those wins, all those games were close. And those little things are the difference between winning and losing um, close games, you know, in in high level college basketball at the beginning of the year, not even beginning this year's weird. But, you know, in January, yeah. um, those little things were always going their way. They were always making those kind of plays late in the last three games at the end of the game. They're not, those things are kind of breaking against them. You know, they, they were always very, very good. I mean, they've played a thousand close games this year. I mean, I, they had very few blowouts in either direction. Most of the games have been decided in the final five minutes. At least it seems that way. Um, and when they beat Alabama, when they beat Kansas in Norman, you know, when they beat Texas in Austin, they were making the plays at the end of the game. They were the better team. They were more composed down the stretch. And especially these last two Oklahoma State games, OSU felt far and away like they were they were more in control late in the game. And now part of that maybe G may just be having Kate Cunningham. I mean, that, that certainly helps. Um, no doubt about that. But both in Norman – I was there, you know, it, it felt like, even though it was close, even though OSU was the road team, and then when it was going to OT, it just felt like OSU's got, they're in control of this. It feels like OU is hanging on, as opposed to OSU hanging on, even though 
you know, Oklahoma State was the road team and their best player was a, was a freshman. And it felt the same way yesterday. It felt like OU was just hanging on, even though Kate Cunningham wasn't, um, you know, having a huge night. Um, they just – they're hanging on. They're just making the plays to just be right there, but it just feels like at any moment it's going to slip away from them. And it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so – I don't know. It, you know, the ball movement we've talked about already, it's got to get better. I mean, they're just, the assist numbers are just not anywhere close to what they were at the beginning of the year. Um, Alonis Williams finding a way to get him involved. I mean, he was one of their top five scorers for most of the year and he's not even playing right now. Um, boy, but it just, at the end of the game situation, that's the important thing to remember is like, you know, these games were really close. They could have very easily won all these, but the same thing is true of all their close wins. They could have easily lost all those. That's, that's, that's high level college basketball. They're coin flip games at the end. It comes down to those, just those final few minutes who makes the plays. And, you know, the last few nights out, Oklahoma is not the one making the plays. They're not the one in control. And uh, they look like they're the team that's kind of scrambling, trying to just, just trying to will their way to a win, just, you know, playing tight, just trying to please just let's win instead of just playing loose and making plays on the defensive end. And getting out in transition, which is also something they're not doing as much right now as they were early in the year, especially like the Alabama game and stuff. I mean, they were getting out in transition, getting easy points all the time, and they're not doing that the same way right now. I mean, Emoja Gibson was forcing three to four turnovers a game, and I don't think he forced any last night. I, mean, I don't have the, the stats for that, but I don't remember him ever getting a hand on a pass, or they were always in passing lanes making things happen. It wasn't happening that way last night or on Saturday. Yeah, and – Watching that game last night, it felt like everything – and part of it's the camera angle at Gallagher, but I think it makes everything oh. seem totally yeah. weird. But it just felt like Oklahoma's – even there are transition opportunities. Everything just kind of felt chaotic. It felt like Oklahoma State was just all over the floor. They made all, of the, all, all passes challenging. They were in the passing lanes. They were mm-hmm. disruptive. Nothing came easy for Oklahoma. And last question I have for you uh, as it relates to personnel, on Austin Reeves – I feel like he's so good at drawing fouls. And we talked about this yesterday that in conference play, you know, the same way James Harden in the NBA gets foul calls all the time. He makes fans crazy. He, yeah. And I think he, he manipulates referees many times, but Austin Reeves has some of those traits where he's so good at taking an extra pivot an extra pump fake an extra lean in creates contact with his body, initiates it. And I feel like as conference play goes on, you have the same officiating crews he's getting to the line less and less because referees are saying like, no, you know what? I saw that last week at K-State or I saw that at wherever else when I had you last time, I'm not giving you that call today. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kay Cunningham, because he's got that NBA body, he's got that NBA style. It's almost, like he, it's almost like he gets the benefit of the whistle. He gets the superstar calls. And, and then you have Austin Reeves who's still trying to prove himself and still trying to earn a seat at the table to get the benefit of the doubt of some of these whistles. Do you feel like that his free throw attempts, because he's an 88% free throw shooter, they're at their best when he's getting to the line, when they're getting into the bonus early. Do you feel like that as Big 12 play has gone on, are you seeing that, that he's getting to the line less, getting less benefited out on calls? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, that was a common thread in, in both of these Bedlam games was late in the game especially. Um, you know, Austin Reeves wasn't getting what would probably be fouls in other points in the game. So like late in the game, is, is tightening up on him a little bit. And that is part of it. You got a flopping morning yesterday. Uh, you don't don't see that. That's the only one this season, as far as I know, uh, that I remember. But, you know, he – yeah, he's having a hard time getting the whistles a little bit late in the game. There was a really big free throw discrepancy in the game yesterday uh, between OU and Oklahoma State, um, which didn't help him, which forced OU to shoot a lot more threes. And, you know, they're kind of a streaky three-point team. And Moshe Gibson can get really hot. All three can get really hot. Brady Mann can get really hot. Or they can 
be breaking a lot of them. You know, so you don't you don't want to really have to live that way. Um, and that was something that was noticeable yesterday. And I believe Austin Reeves was asked in post game, you know, do you feel like you guys are being aggressive enough? I mean, you, you shot way less free throws and you shot way more three pointers. Is that is that the way you guys you know want to win? And he he kind of was like, no, nah, we need to get to the rim more. We need to get to the line more. Um, and we shouldn't be shooting double digit less free throws. You know, ever that's not a that's not a way to win. So you know, I do think it's a little bit of a reputation thing. Um, Austin Reeves has certainly gotten that. Um, you know that, that he he gets the line, he kind of flails around and gets himself you know fouls called. He's getting that, and the opposing fan bases know that, especially on the road. I mean, I wasn't in Stillwater last night, but from people who were, they said you know the fans were on Austin Reeves the whole time, and that flopping warning made the place you know go crazy and. They replayed that missed dunk on the on the board there like ten times in a row. You know they're they're getting on Austin Reeves. Uh, it's become a thing. You know basically. So you know you know he's he's an older guy. Obviously a seniors put a lot of basketball. I think he's going to handle that, but he just has to realize he he's probably not going to benefit the doubt of the whistles, especially on the road. Now they don't have a true road game left. Neutral setting is where it gets weird. You know uh, how that stuff works and. Big 12 tournament and an NCAA tournament, I guess you kind of just have to feel it out as you go. But, uh, you know, especially at least based off these last two games, he needs to kind of understand he's probably not going to benefit the doubt as much as when he was earlier because, like you said, exactly, he, he's built that reputation up a little bit now at this point. So basically what you're telling me there, Josh, is that uh, Austin Reeves is the Baker Mayfield of OU basketball. Yeah, no, he's gotten that. He's got that whether – and he's a really, really nice guy. Um, you know, Arkansas kid. He's got, like, a real southern accent. I like Austin Reeves. He's a real cool dude. Um, but he's got that, like, Duke, Grayson Allen type of thing in the Big 12. He is, like, the the Big 12's, you know, white Duke player, basically, is what he's become <laughs> at this point. Listen, I, I, I am here for every single antic that Austin Reeves does. Because at least like, – you mentioned Grayson Allen. Like, at least I haven't seen Austin Reeves, like – intentionally tripping people like yes, that's no. what I would want. but all the all the things he does that irritate fan bases and other teams and puts pressure on referees like I think it's fantastic gamesmanship I think there's it's the edge that he has to have like Baker Mayfield we talked about he had to have that chip on his shoulder right it, it mm-hmm. made him better the diff, the little things Austin Reeves does the jumping in front taking charges getting guys head I, I watch him on the free throw line he's like the most nonchalant trash talker because he just kind of like he doesn't even, you don't even look, I, I, I just, I know, yes. because I know basketball, I know how people do these things. When I watch him on the free throw line, he's kind of like underneath his breath talking to the other team. And I know it's trash talk. It's like, it's low key trash talk. And he is very nonchalant. It's very discreet, but he gets his words in it and he doesn't do it in a up in your face kind of way. He does it in the way that's even more annoying. And, mm. you know, it's kind of like, I just feel like I'm here for all the things he does. And I, I would also like to add that I wish I had one mistake in my life that was as it was as athletic as him missing that tomahawk dunk <laughs> the Big yeah. 12 logo in Stillwater. So, look, man, hey, you can replay anything of me that looks that athletic over and over again, and I'll just take it. You know what? Hey, you know what, man? I missed that dunk, but look how athletic it was. It was pretty yeah, good, so. exactly. And you were absolutely on it with the – he's not demonstrative, um, you know, with the – him talking, but he he is. He, he's talking the whole time. The whole time, talking to other players, complaining to rest about calls. Um, you'll see him. He'll get teed up for it sometimes. Uh, just – was it in the Kansas State game last week? He got a, a technical foul where it was, he literally got the technical pretty much like as he's falling to the ground after not getting a call. You could kind of read his lips a little bit there. The, the, he's, he's talking the whole time. And, you know, he, 
he'll he'll show emotion when he I mean I think like the TCU game last year he did like the throat thing at, at, at TCU and they hated that and you know he's he's like that he kind of is a get under your skin guy a little bit and um, I'll be curious to ask him we need to ask him about you know is that part of the idea you know to kind of get on them a little bit and try to get people out of their own because he does he he talks a lot uh, what you may not see it as much but he is he's he's going the whole time you see other teams get mad at him sometimes uh, there was a game earlier this season I can't remember which one where a couple of players try to get in his face. There was a little mini scrum early in the year. He's, he's talking the whole time. Yeah. And we're going to have more to talk about with the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll have more to say about this game, where they go from here, where we project their seedings to be moving forward. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. But now I want to tell you about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. And with college basketball, having March Madness coming up, the NBA coming down the stretch, the NHL and Major League Baseball are about to both be in full swing. You got all the hockey action right now and baseball's coming around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. If you use the promo code Locked On when you head over to their website, you sign up, you get to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And if you want more Big 12 coverage, Our guy, Josh Neighbors at Locked On Big 12 does a fantastic job of covering all things in the Big 12 conference, whether it's the controversy that's ever evolving down in Texas, recruiting news, Big 12 basketball, Baylor coming off a COVID protocol, are they looking sharp? All the things you want to talk about in the Big 12, Big 12 conference tournament, spring football, Josh Neighbors has you covered at Locked On Big 12. So subscribe to Locked On Big 12, wherever you get your podcasts. And as we come back in uh, for our final segment here on Locked On Sooners today on our Tuesday edition, Josh, you look at the Big 12 tournament coming up. Obviously, we've got the big matchup with Texas on Thursday. That's been rescheduled. Both of these teams need this win to get some momentum. Obviously, Oklahoma doesn't want to go into the Big 12 tournament on a four-game losing streak. And, you know, just a, a week and a half ago, they were projected as a two seed. Yeah, I mean, just nine, ten days ago. And now, all of a sudden, they're sitting there looking, you know, potentially at a five, six, who knows where. They're sort of in free fall right now in bracketology. So where do you think the ceiling is for this team and where is the floor as it relates to the NCAA tournament seeding? Yeah, boy, it's gotten away from them quickly here. Um, And that's how it goes. You know, I mean, they were, they were pushing toward a two before that Kansas state game. And it felt like they had a great chance to get it. I thought they would win. Obviously you're not expecting them to lose Kansas state. And then you think that they're going to probably at least win in Norman for Bedlam. And then I like their chance at home in Texas. You're thinking they're going to win some games here, probably end up as a three, um, but maybe two of things break their way. Now, it you know, feels like they'll they'll be happy with a four, take the four seed and run if, you, if that's what you can get. I mean, it comes out of Thursday, really. I mean, I think Thursday is, is kind of just 
how's the season going to go? Is it going to be a full-blown tailspin, you know, fall apart um, with a loss on Thursday? Or you can still turn this thing around with a win on, on Thursday against Texas. I mean, it really – I think if they can beat Texas Thursday night at home, they'll go into the baseball tournament feeling like, okay, we, we figured something out, and they'll, they'll be okay. They'll, they'll be right we're back to where they were and can get that four seed, maybe a three if they make a deep run to the baseball tournament or maybe even win it. Uh, who knows? I mean, I have a hard time – I mean, who knows what Baylor is right now? But – you know, who knows with that. So, but if they lose, I still think they probably, mm, they might go to, they probably go to a five if they lose this Texas game, um, depending on what happens in Kansas city next week. I mean, they're kind of hanging that four or five range. Uh, that's probably where they're going to end up, which is a shame because they were pushing toward, I mean, they were number seven in the country, you know I mean? They were, they were pushing, they were in this conversation for a two for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Texas game, it's as big as it gets. I mean, you have to respond. I mean, I, I'm not willing to put it, in full, full-blown panic, um, I would say, obviously, you're pressing the, the panic button. You're, you're moving that meter. But if they lose Thursday, then you're, you're in a, like I said, a complete tailspin at that point. You've lost four in a row going into the postseason, which is not what you want at all. So I still think they can right the ship. I still think there's time. Um, there's, it's all about, I mean, I keep saying it, but it's all about this Texas game. I mean, if they win it, it just feels like they turn things around. They're going to be fine. If they lose, oh, boy, they may have won their last game of the year. That's how it'll feel. So what do they need to do differently against Texas to, to rebound? I mean, they need a big rebound game. I mean, we talked a little bit about what's gone wrong. Yeah. What can they do better? Yeah, the rebounding has become quite the thing, the problem here. Um, you know, I mean, they it's tough because Brady Manick has had a couple games here and there. He had one recently where he had like 15 rebounds. You know, he, he can have big rebounding games. Now, they're not his – you know, they're few and far between relatively for him. I mean, he's more of a scorer guy. He's like – David was saying earlier, he's not going to really, you know, get dirty down low as much. It's not his thing. You know, that was kind of where Kirk Queth came in earlier in the year. Uh, but Kerr's had his minutes cut way down. I mean, he's kind of your size. They don't really have any other big guys like that. I mean, they desperately need going forward to either land a big, you know, big guy recruiter to bring one in uh, from the transfer or whatever because they're, they're thin. Uh, I mean, they have like Rick Asanza and these guys who haven't played at all this season. Um, but you know, obviously the long career doesn't feel comfortable enough to play them throughout the year. They didn't really get any minutes. So, um, I mean, it just feels like you need your big guys to step up. I, I would think you play Kerr a little more if you, if you really feel like you need help on the glass, I mean, he's your, he's your, your biggest, strongest guy. Uh, I mean, Austin Reese is your leading rebounder, you know, this season. It's not, I mean, Austin Reese is obviously a very, he's, you know, worked for the triple double almost every single night, but you probably don't want your, your, your PG leading you in rebounding. That's probably not a great sign. And he has been pretty much all season, you know. So, um, you know, Alondis Williams is part of that. He was a pretty decent rebounder, and he's not playing a lot right now because he's, you know, athletic guy. We've seen him, his dunks. He can jump out of the gym. You know, he can help you with that. But that's part of just, is he going to play? So, you know, I think early in the year when the rebounding wasn't as much of a problem was when Kirk Queth and Alondis Williams were playing more, and they're, they're not playing as much right now. You're relying on, guys who now Moshe Gibson had a lot of rebounds the other day, but it was felt a little bit like a fluky thing. I mean, he kind of just had the break of the bounce a few times. Moshe Gibson's obviously not going to get you a lot of rebounds and he's playing instead of Alonzo Williams. And then Brady Mannix not typically going to rebound for you as much as Kirk Queth. Um, he is averaging more at this point. But he's also played a lot more minutes the last several weeks. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of the thing. It's like early in the year, Alonzo Williams and Kirk Queth were getting you those boards and those guys aren't playing right now, or at least they were helping, and they're not. They're just not playing right now. Kind of simple as that. And they're they're exchanged out for guys who can score better for you, 
but they're not going to help you on the glass. Yeah. Yeah. And Kirk Weth had a good, a good rebounding game in Bedlam in the first matchup at Lloyd Noble. had a lot of dunks, mm-hmm. um, you know, was, I mean, had a really impressive offensive rebound dunk. We went and grabbed it one handed and dunked it in. I, those are the kind of plays that you get from a Kirk Weth that you don't get from anybody else on the roster. Yeah. So there, are, there is a justification to, to look at and say, well, maybe we don't play Kirk Weth 15 minutes, but three minutes, probably not enough. Right. I mean, I think that's a fair, a fair uh, critique from, from the second round of Bedlam, but when I look ahead at this team, I, I think about, you know, let's just say they're a five seed today and let's say they lose to Texas and let's say they lose that first round big 12 game, because all those things are possibilities. And yet, even if that happens, I think that Oklahoma would probably not fall lower than a seven seed. I think they could potentially be an eight, nine. Um, if they, they lose out, you know, and they coming in on a five game losing streak. I mean, you could say, well, yeah, maybe they're an eight or nine, but I think as long as they're not an eight seed, as long as they're in the seven spot, they're not going to see anybody in a second round matchup or a first round matchup that they can't beat. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if you put them at eight, nine, because look at who's a potential one seed or a two seed it's Alabama. And they beat them without Austin Reeves. Right. So, I mean, there's not going to be anybody in there that they can't match up with. And I actually feel like for one reason or another, maybe there's been a little bit too much on this team lately, right? The rise happened too fast and, and they're, it's not like they're, they've come out and just, uh, you know, peed down their leg here on national TV and, and look like a team that was overrated, quote unquote. Yeah. They're battling, they're losing tough games. I mean, I think six of their losses are less than five points. So, I mean, they're, they're in every game. But if you go to March Madness and you, all of a sudden you, they're the underdog again, and they can t- potentially be a Cinderella that showed some signs, but they, they came back down to earth. That might be in the wheelhouse that this team needs to be in to be able to advance to a sweet 16 elite eight and maybe potentially make a run to a final four, because I think they need that edge. And they sort of lost that edge when everybody started giving them the love. Yeah. And they had a really weird February. I mean, they, they didn't play, they had stretches where they just didn't play very many games. It kind of seemed like that, that stretch kind of threw off their, their mojo a little bit. I mean, they, they had the Baylor game get postponed, which is not going to get made up. And then they had the weather with Texas. So, I mean, they didn't, they only played once in like, or they played three times in like a 20 day span. And like, they're just now coming out of that where they're starting to consistently play again. And it seems like ever since then, you know, they had, they came out of that stretch where they didn't play very much. They played Iowa state and they beat them, but it was really close against Iowa state team. That's not quite as bad as their record would say, but obviously is the worst last place team in the big 12 and lost against state and they shouldn't have done. They got these two bedlam games. So they're the four games since coming back from that big stretch of not playing very much. They haven't been quite the same. And I don't think that's, you know, totally a coincidence. Now I do think that it's important. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the close place at the end of the game that decides stuff. Like you're saying, I mean, they, they easily could have won all of these games. I mean, it's, you know, they've been right there. They've been very close. Um, you know, things can turn around so quickly. And I, I still think that they can probably beat most anybody on any given day. It's just finding a way to button up those small things late in the game um, because that's what's caused them last few times out is in the final minutes. I mean, they led Kansas State by six with about four minutes to go. That's not a loss you can have. You know, finding a way to play better offense down the stretch, especially, and continue to make the plays like they were earlier in the year, but definitely, I mean, if they can get the NCAA tournament, I mean, and it's worth mentioning too, it, it, I think it probably helps them a lot if they're able to get Bedlam a third time and obviously got to win it, but it, that could very well happen if they, if they beat Texas on Thursday and OSU splits their two games, they have to split. 
But if they do so to do that, then Bedlam Part Three will happen next week, and that'll help. It's kind of like the conversation usually have it in uh, you know college football with OU like may, re, avenging their loss to Texas the year with Kyler Murray, like kind of getting back one of those losses almost. It's like you forgive it, and that'll help them I think a lot in the season if they can play Oklahoma State a third time and beat them to kind of show these two teams are just really close and it's just coin flips and OSU's got two of the three coin flips. That would help a lot, I think, in terms of seeding everything. And that could very well happen. Like I said, if they beat Texas and they get a split next week or OSU splits their Baylor-West Virginia games, then that'll happen. So that, I think that would help. I think OU fans need to root for OSU to split so they can get that third shot at them. Do you think that's the best matchup for them heading into the Big 12 tournament? Well, no. I mean, in terms of, like, winning, no. I mean, probably not. But in terms of, I mean, you kind of have to, it'll help them the most. That'd be the win that helps them the most. Um, as far as I think that's kind of what you have to go for. You can't worry too much about, you know, taking another loss and slipping more. I think you need to take the risk and hope that you get Oklahoma state. Now, I mean, people will, will argue, and this is, I think a little bit of a loser's mentality type of a thing, but people will, will argue and wonder, is it better for you to just slip down and then they get into those playing games. And so they can play an Iowa state or something in the first round. And I think it's always just better to just win as much as you can. You know, it's like the, is it again, relating it to football, you know, people talk about not making the cultural playoff and avoiding your, your loss to go win a bowl game. It's always just get, just do as well as you can. It's always what you want to do. Get to the playoff if you can. Same kind of idea here. I mean, so there's still a lot of possibilities because there's a lot of big 12 games this week because of all the, the makeup. So it's hard to map out all the scenarios, but the most simple one was that, yeah, if they beat Texas and OSU splits, they will play Oklahoma state. Now, if Oklahoma state loses both games, which is also on the table, they're playing Baylor and West Virginia are both top six teams right now. They'll play Texas a third time, probably uh, if they beat Texas and then, and then OSU loses twice. So that would be, you know, that's the other end of the spectrum where you don't have nearly as much to gain. If you've already beat Texas twice, you don't have much to gain from playing them a third time. The committee is going to be like, okay, we get it. You can beat Texas or you take a loss. And that's the, it's the other way. It's the exact opposite. You're kind of one of your wins is looking a little less impressive now, especially because considering that the first time they beat Texas, they were missing a couple of starters with uh, COVID protocols. So, um, you know, there's a ton of different situations. They could still end up playing Kansas again which could be a, a good thing, but maybe not, depending on how uh, how that goes, because Kansas is playing obviously very, very well right now, just beat Baylor. So there's a lot on the table, but I still think that the you you would want a third Bedlam game to try and make up for one of them, and that would help your seeding, I think, more than any other first-round matchup you could get in the Big 12. Yeah, 100%. We, and we were, we're 100% with you on that as far as, you know, the loser mentality. We're always mm -hmm. about – play you know get as, as high as you can in the seating if it means you're gonna have to play alabama in the first round of the college football playoff doesn't matter yeah yeah because i saw a little bit of that yesterday um, yeah. the it's not too bad if they if they lose on thursday because they'll, they'll get to play iowa state in the first round in the playing yeah. games and it's you know i we're not here I, for that. I, I get that but also i just don't yeah you 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 just need to get as high of a placement as you possibly can. I mean, this team was toward the top of the Big 12 the whole year, and they're they're slipping fast. I mean, they're in fifth right now. And Texas plays Iowa State tonight, um, which as long as Texas doesn't get upset there, then OU has to win on Thursday to avoid the playing games, likely, depending on what Texas Tech does this week, which is crazy considering where OU was most of the season. <laughs> it's just the Big 12. The Big 12 is brutal. I mean, Texas Tech is currently would be in one of the, the first round, like, playing game type things in the conference tournament start next week. And they're obviously, they're ranked like 16 or something, 17. So 
pretty crazy. It shows how good the Big 12 is. Yeah, where I always land on that, Josh, too, is when you talk about wanting to make the playoff or wanting to play a play-in game or lose or not not put yourself in a bad position. Like I always say, what do you think the players want to do? Think the players mm-hmm. want to not make the playoff in college football? You think the players want to fall to a play-in game so that they can protect themselves and get an easy win? No, the players want to yeah. win the games, advance, have the respect of their conference opponents, finish as high as they can. Like that's what the players want. So all this losers mentality of like, well, wouldn't it be nice if we fail? No, that's not yeah. what the players want. That's not what you should want as a fan because you're basically taking some things away from them and assuming things about them that just are not true. And if we could get a potential Mac McClung versus Austin Reeves matchup again, hmm. I, I would give Mac McClung uh, a, a seat at that table as, as an irritant and as a guy that can get other fan bases yeah. riled up too. And I, and I'm also here for everything about Mac McClung. I love his game as well. I think both those guys are guys that you you want them on your team. You might not like them if they're not on your team, but there's a lot of interesting matchups, some great star power in the Big 12 Conference. Absolutely. If you're paying attention. So it's going to be a fun tournament to to preview and see how it all shakes out and, and see the matchups once everything's finalized with all these makeup games. But, uh, Josh, thanks for coming on the show with us today, man. It was fun talking Bedlam basketball and OU basketball with you. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, anytime, hopefully uh... – uh, if you feel like it went well and uh, I can be invited back sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have you back, especially uh, as the season rolls along in college basketball. But uh, David, I already, I made the offer to Josh off the air before he came on, but he's going to become the official baseball guy for us as well. Hey, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you baseball. Oh, you baseball. Yeah. Good. Decent so, start to the season. Should have a pretty good team there. So uh, hopefully right down the road. Down the road here in Frisco for me, down here in Frisco. Yeah. Texas, some big games, some big yeah. games down there this week. A couple Arizona <laughs> games. Yeah. Looking to get the Walker boys over to a, a game here at Dr. Pepper ballpark, their Frisco Rough Rider stadium to watch yeah. some senior baseball this weekend. So absolutely. To- yeah. Highly recommend. I wanted to be down there, but uh, had some other things tie me up, unfortunately, but finally, OU has some home games that are open to the public. Next last week, they, they opened the season at home against Omaha, but with all the snow, they didn't let any media or anybody come. It was literally just like the game. So they'll finally be home next week get to see that team in person. Finally. Nice. That's going to be a lot of fun. And Hey, Again, spring is coming. So that means baseball. Oh, yeah. Man, growing up for me, I loved spring. It was the best time of the year because that meant baseball season was coming. So, Josh, again. March March is one of the best sports months of the year this this month. So, uh, enjoy it. Soak it in. Think about how bad last March was. That's right. And appreciate this March. That's right. That's right. We're always looking ahead, always trying to find the, the positive. So, thanks for that, Josh. And, hey, again, thanks for coming on the show. And make sure you all go follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Calloway714. You can read his work over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. Josh, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it, guys. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. You can also follow us at Locked On Sooners Podcast on Facebook. And if you got a take that you want to send us, shoot us an email at LockedOnSooners at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 405-698-0789. For David Walker, I'm John Williams. We'll see you tomorrow. Boomer. Sooner.